Welcome to the CultureWise podcast, where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace. Here we aim to discuss topics relating to how followers of Jesus can more effectively reach Latter-day Saints in their relational networks. My name is Daniel Schugert, and I'm joined today by Ross Anderson and our guest, John Leach. John Leach has been involved in ministry among Latter-day Saints for about five years with the organization Truth in Love Ministries. He's the president and a missionary with Truth and Love Ministries. And so today I'm looking forward to just having a conversation with him about contextualization and how he's learned lessons from the mission field. So John, first, before we jump into that, how can you help us understand how you got involved in ministry in general, but also specifically among Latter-day Saints? Sure. First of all, uh, Daniel and Ross, it's great to be with you guys. Thanks for the opportunity. I probably began uh, ministry. Uh, my story is a little unique in that uh, I went to a Christian uh, school growing up, and uh, even back in kindergarten, uh, the teacher asked us what we wanted to be when we grew up, and she was very specific. She said, once something has already been chosen, you can't pick it. So as we were going around the room, um, Fireman and police officer had already been taken, right? So the, <laughs> I thought about the, the guy up front who is sharing a message that has a lifelong, uh, not just lifelong, but eternal uh, impact. Uh, I, I thought pastor. And then she changed the rules as we went. She said, okay, you can pick pastor more than once. And it was funny because in our kindergarten group, we had... Um, I think three three of the boys picked pastor then because you could pick, and all three of us stuck with it. Uh, just no kind of a joy. That's fun. Uh, That's yeah, pretty so, cool. Who, you know, who'd have thought? But uh, God can use even even out of the mouth of babes, right? Uh, and along the way, uh, you know, certainly went to training and uh, seminary as it was was growing up in that. Started early off uh, in ministry in a mission congregation. I just loved energizing God's people as we'd, we'd hit the mm-hmm. streets and as we'd share the gospel with our community. And there's just such joy when you're starting a, a church plant and and just kind of organically seeing that as God's people uh, contextualized, right, for their unique community. Uh uh, my next uh, place of ministry was uh, uh, that was in in Minnesota, and then also in the Twin Cities, St. Paul, Minneapolis. I served at a Christian high school, so in a uh, ministry that I had not ever imagined I might serve in. Right? I thought yeah. pastor, but not necessarily at a school. What was so fascinating? This too was a mission opportunity because uh, they unleashed me as a missionary to just serve uh, international students, particularly. So I, I was able to teach the gospel to over 400 students from 27 different countries. And and you can imagine many of them coming from places where the gospel was a rare guest and being able to adapt into those unique situations uh, cross-culturally. Uh, my, my entire ministry there was for 10 years cross-cultural. Uh, so many uh, wonderful opportunities. Uh, that got me involved in our national church body where I would then oversee uh, Mission work in Asia, uh, especially vision and strategic planning, as you cross-culturalize, contextualize the gospel, right? And then um, all along the way, how did I get into Mormon ministry? Uh, I'd always been in missions, always loved to share the gospel with the lost, and along the way um, had been a part of some mission trips with Truth and Love Ministry. Uh, at the time, Mark Cares was the leader of the organization, and 
He just invited me, and I always wanted to get more and more involved. And one day, he called me up and said, how would you like to roll up your sleeves and get involved full-time with the <laughs> ministry? Yeah. So that's, that's, that was the story of how I, I was able to get part. But I, I will say that even the early days where I was able to get my toe in the water, a Mormon outreach was always then on my heart and then ended up shaping and energizing a lot of the work that I was doing, even if I wasn't doing Mormon outreach. Yeah, so it sounds like throughout throughout that journey, you've had a lot of experience that has shaped the way you contextualize the gospel and contextualize ministry for people of, of a wide variety of backgrounds, um, different age groups, different um, international groups, and that's probably really had a huge in- influence on how you affect your contextualization. It did. It it drove me to get a uh, advanced degree in intercultural missional leadership, just to be able to better appreciate and understand um, how how we can reach out uh, to different different groups of people. Yeah. So I know that here on our podcast, we've we've addressed the question and worked through a couple different angles of contextualization, even the foundation biblically of contextualization. Some of those examples. But what, what is one or two examples from the Bible that really shape how you've understood contextualizing the gospel among Latter-day Saints? Yeah, I, I think sometimes you're going to run into people that are in a moment of crisis. And maybe just those one-on-one individual conversations, I think in that case of like uh, Acts 16, where you have the jailer Philippi, right? And earthquake prison doors break open he thinks like they're the you know in the roman uh, empire at that time he would have had to face all the punishment for for all the prisoners that had escaped i'm sure they would have been quite churchish about it so he's going to take matters into his own hands he's he's drawn his sword he's about to fall on it paul says hey we're all here but then the after having looked death in the face it wasn't just the 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 corporal punishment the, the mm-hmm. of the body but he was immediately realized he wasn't he wasn't ready for what happened after that. And I find that that happens a lot, not certainly drawing the sword and, and all of that, but, but a lot of people really aren't ready to understand what, what's really going to happen. It's almost like, um, I think about like gambling, you know, you, you wouldn't necessarily go to Vegas and just roll the dice and just hope it's going to work out. But that is actually the way a lot of people think with their, their, their most important, you know, how, how is all turns out in the end, the final judgment, many people are sort of saying, I hope it will work out. And if you can almost take their feet to that, maybe hardship brings that about, something in their life where now you have a one-on-one opportunity with them, and if you, along the way, were singing or praying, and you're the one that they go to, right, in the moment, you were dropping seeds along the way, then in that moment of crisis, there will be an opportunity. What what strikes me about Paul's answer, right? First of all, the jailer, what must I do to be saved? I mean, isn't that always the way uh, human nature, right, turned in on itself, thinks there must be something I must do? And in the moment of crisis, Paul was so clear and simple. He just says, believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Believe in what he did for you, and you will be saved. And I think that's in those moments of hardship, be ready to be able to answer that. And when you're facing hardship, sometimes other people will see that, and the way you respond in the mix of that, I think, is also an opportunity to let your faith shine. 
So that might be one. I know Acts 17 is just so often quoted when it comes to contextualizing the gospel, but I guess the one point I would just start out with, in the very beginning, the Apostle Paul starts out, and he is personally, it says, he's greatly distressed about seeing the city full of idols. He's so bothered by this, but that's not what he focuses on. Mm-hmm. And I am so struck by that. I mean, we know he goes to the thing that bothers them, but but I, I find that Christian witnesses, uh, maybe there's a temptation for us to focus on the things that bother us about Mormonism. So, for example, uh, there's a very different view of the nature of God, right? Or there might be things about Mormon history or Joseph Smith, and those are the things that that maybe because they bother us, we, we go to them. But that's not what Paul did. Paul instead shifted and he focused on what bothered them, this unknown God. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think there's great wisdom in, in listening. Uh, even like, just another quick example, Philip with the Ethiopian, right? He didn't, God just said go. And a lot of times Christians say like, well, I wouldn't know what to say. The first thing he uh, Philip does is he just he's present, and he just listens, and then he asks questions so he can listen more. Do you understand what you're reading? Who this is about? And and so I think again we can learn from these examples in Scripture, especially as it comes to our LDS friends. Do do you understand what what this is about? Let's talk more about this Scripture. So those would be some um, maybe. There's, there's so many, right, uh, Ross, that we lean into. I think the book of Acts in particular is filled with many examples of contextualization. But I think it's fascinating God not only chose to, to send us out, but then, and he gives us the power, but, but, but he also shows us some examples of how it was done along the way. Yeah, so you address even just the idea of a crisis. People can often be in a crisis. What are what are some of the crises that you've encountered people in, and how have you brought in the gospel to that situation? Yeah. So maybe a lot of people don't know about Truth and Love Ministry for our at-the-door mission trips, right? And we encounter people in all, all different places of life. Right. But we also do um, online campaigns, and maybe people don't realize that, it's the social media around the world in demographic, uh, geographical areas where, where the demographic is high for, for LDS, uh, sharing often millions of gospel messages every month. Mm-hmm. And as we do that, you can have, wow, sometimes as many as a thousand who will respond and ask questions, and just, it, it, it can be quite tremendous. I remember one, one occasion, there was a gal named Lauren and Lauren was trying to find her worthiness in the LDS church. She, she, she had exp- unpacked her, her story a little bit. She had experienced abuse of the very worst kinds as a child, just unimaginable horror. And then uh, it went into one bad relationship after another, and she felt as if there was no escape from this road. Um, you can imagine what this did to her self-worth. Then she ends up... Um, getting off of that path. She didn't think it was possible, but she did with help of some folks from her community, and they were Mormon. Now, on the outside, she was all cleaned up, right? It just seemed like she had it all together. But on the inside, she describes still having the same pain that she did when she was experiencing abuse of the worst kinds, in, insofar as she still saw 
her value and her worth through the eyes of others. Yeah, right. And she still, she still was uh, feeling like, God, where are you in my pain? Like, I feel like I'm never good enough. God seemed as far off and as distant as, as ever. And, and so I remember the conversation went for hours into the night as we were able to unpack the gospel and, and share with her that her worth was not through the eyes of others. It was not through, through what she had done, but instead, you know, Christ, as he stretches his arms and says, I love you mm. this much, this is how you're, where your worth comes from. And, and hearing the gospel for the first time, you could tell, right, tears on the other side, and she's just... Um, as the Spirit begins to unpack for her what a, a new Christ identity looks like. Mm-hmm. So I, I, again, she was in the moment of crisis, responded to one of our ads, and in and, and, and that moment you just, like, like Paul, just, just point very, very clearly to what Jesus has done. Believe, and, and, and this is what it means for you. Yeah, I hear throughout that story uh, a theme of listening well and and hearing the story, understanding what she's specifically going through, and then um, using that to to begin digging into truth in the gospel and giving her good hope um, in such a way that she was tearing up and really impacted by it. And I can imagine um, just a, a a different form of sharing the exact same gospel message may have sounded like religiosity to her or, or maybe sounded like something she's already heard before. It just may not have connected with her heart, but what was shared in that moment, because it was directly connected to what she was sharing, brought about life and joy and peace um, through the conversation. One of the things I, I found that she, she has struggled with that a lot of people do, why would... Is it true? Like, why would God love me that much? I. This is going to sound really crazy, but uh, on the streets, recently ran into uh, uh, at the door mission trip uh, a Satanist. I mean, and this guy was like all in. So he had like horns tattooed on his forehead. Okay, <laughs> and I mean, he was. But he encountered our, our our lay missionaries, and he said, "Boy, you guys really broke out of the box from anything that I had." ever thought about Christianity, like you broke the mold, because uh, they were listening, and they were patient, and they were asking questions, and, and then the conversation continued online through through chat. And and finally, it got to the point where, where Satan had kept him in the shadows for so long, the, the darkness, he just focused on all the evil in the world, how could there be a God that loves? And we, we talked a little bit about the problem of evil, but then Satan had got him to a point where, where he thought, God really just couldn't love me that much. There isn't a God capable of that kind of love. And, and that's often what I find uh, can keep people uh, out of fear uh, in those shadows. And, and then if we have an opportunity, especially through a crisis moment, to break through with the light, uh, pierce the darkness. Yeah, and I don't know if he was even necessarily in a conscious crisis moment. He may have felt like things were going well, he's doing fine, but you were able to dig into and see behind the facade and see there is a crisis there, even if it's not displaying itself right away. In a way, his, his kind of like ongoing nihilistic (laughs) perspective was an ongoing crisis. (laughs) Ongoing, Right. So you've, you've shared a little bit about the idea of a bounded and an unbounded structure 
uh, thinking in terms of this when sharing the gospel with Latter-day Saints, um, how can you help us understand what do you mean by this and how can we employ the idea of a bounded and unbounded structure? Yeah, great, great question. Appreciate it. Uh, I, I think a lot of times uh, understanding our LDS friends are coming from what I would consider to be a bounded structure. So there's so much emphasis on the outward, right? So much on the uh, your your outward appearance, the outward activities, uh, all all the things kind of prescripted about what you must do, and and maybe <laughs> though we live in an environment of grace, we can have a tendency to even as biblical Christians think, well, you know what, uh, a a Christian really should look and do. Th- these things, right? It looked like, I, I have to confess, I remember there was a guy who uh, one time uh, came to a door where, I mean, he was big and burly and he's, he's you know, doesn't have a shirt on, right? He, he's huge. I'm a big guy. He's probably twice my size. And, and, and he's got tats and piercings all over. He answers the door with, um, I think he's got a pot in, in his hand and he just asks, um, Oh, you're not the police. Okay, well, we can continue this conversation then, right? So, so I'm thinking like, oh, I do not think this conversation is going to go very well. And I'm kind of ashamed to say that because it was incredible. There, there was a lot, actually a lot of hurt that when he, he knew I was just there because I genuinely cared about him and wanted to have a spiritual conversation. I mean, we probably talked for over an hour at his, at his door, but I went in with a preconceived notion of the way things should look. And I... I wonder sometimes if we, as biblical Christians, might might focus more on what I what I would call like a bounded model. I think this can hold back our witness. For example, if we focus on things like our LDS friends to understand the Trinity. Well, I don't understand the Trinity. It's an article of faith that can only be understood right by faith, and I'm expecting them to be in a box for which they have not yet been given faith mm-hmm. to appreciate, yeah. right? And so we almost like say, but but you have to be inside. You have to look like this. You have to do that. And, and I want to encourage our Christian friends to say, hey, be patient in the process as people are unpacking these things, right? And, and even in Jesus' day, weren't there people who looked like they were in the box? That's what I mean by bounded. Like think of if they, they fit inside the box, they might have looked very religious, sure, right. very good, and yet their hearts were far from him, right? Whitewashed tombs. Whereas if I think of more of like an unbounded structure, this is almost like if you're drawing a line, it's going to be freeform. Like there, there might be some people like way out there. But instead of thinking about, well, you have to, you have to try and jump in within the box, that's not the goal. The goal is to have motion or momentum that's moving toward mm-hmm. Jesus in relationship with him. And, and if, if we think about that being the goal, then first of all, I think you're going to see a lot more wins as the Holy Spirit does things right before your eyes, right? But, but it's also then going to, to give you more of the right perspective because you're not in your conversations going to be focused on the external, the outward things, but you, like Jesus, are going to be focused more on matters of the heart. You know, when you talk about that, John, what I think of, you mentioned Jesus' interactions with sort of the religious professionals and uh, the religious establishment. But what I thought of when you mentioned that was Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman, 
because the Jews definitely had a box mm. that they considered Samaritans. They had some boundaries for Samaritans that they thought, oh, you know, we shouldn't even like go through this village or how, why are you having a conversation with them? And Jesus really treated her in a, like in an unbounded way. Mm. Um, she wasn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't focus on the boundaries of her Samaritanism or on her behaviors. Um, but he treated her in a, in a very maybe creative and, and context, contextually driven way that allowed you know, him to share the gospel in a way that made sense to her. It, it does have just a way of shaping the kind of uh, questions that we will then end up asking, right? It, it's not going to be so focused on, um, hey, you know, if, if you just believe the right things. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example. Like, I find a lot of Christians focus on the nature of God. Uh, for example, Jesus uh, as both God and man. And okay, there's very different views uh, between Mormonism and biblical Christianity on this. But if you focus on the gospel, which the Apostle Paul says, right, Romans 1, it's the power of God for salvation. That alone is what makes people believe. And all people believe through the gospel, right? It's, that's the way it comes. Then if, if I'm focusing on what Christ has done, on God's amazing rescue plan that's now complete in Christ, what, what I find is our LDS friends realize that the exalted man-sized God would never be capable of that size love. And so if you open up the size of what God has done for them, yeah. it, it then forces them to rethink the size of the God that they had. Hmm. But it starts with, with, with the heart issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective to focus on um, something that may not be an auxiliary issue, but focus on the actual point that then leads people to believe the auxiliary issue. So, of course, we care about people understanding the nature of God. That matters greatly. Um, but rather than just going straight to that, going to a, a, a more critical core component of truth that leads then to a, a correct understanding or a more correct understanding of the nature of God. I find it, it helps us to keep the main thing mm-hmm. the main thing. <laughs> Yeah. How would you word, what is what is the main thing that you're often keeping in your mind through most every gospel conversation you have with Latter-day Saints? Yeah, I mean, it depends kind of where they're at. They might be already just beat down and in despair, and, and the, the law has taken its toll on them, right? They understand they can't keep up, and they're never going to be good enough. Um, if, if they're very proud and, and they're very like, oh, I think I'm pulling it off, then, then I might have to share a message of, of okay, well, here's, here's the expectation God has. But in the end, every time to go to what God has done for us in Christ, the, the, the message of, and especially, I, you know, you've heard from maybe Mark Parsons on our team, just that imputed righteousness, that this is what God now when he looks at you through Christ, this and what Christ has done, this is what he sees. Believe it. I will sometimes use the example of like a runaway teen. Um, let's say they've done all kinds of like just just gone crazy, and then they 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 stole mom's diamond ring, and they just they just uh, pawned it off. They're they're into drugs. The crash dad's brand new car, all the stuff. They left home, ran away, didn't think they could ever be loved. And then through, through a friend, the parents say, hey, we've forgiven you. Um, 
come back home, that, that teen might say, I don't believe it. It doesn't mean that their parents haven't actually forgiven them. Hmm. They just don't receive the benefit of it because they don't believe they're not believing it to be true, right? And so that's one of the things, uh, like Second Corinthians 5, that's what ambassadors do. They say, God has reconciled you to it in Christ. Believe it. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, that's the only action call, to believe it. <laughs> and then the life, life of following Jesus flows from that belief. Yeah, so you've kind of alluded to a couple, but what are some of the, the primary stress points that you encounter um, I know thinking in terms of stress points is something we've discussed on the podcast and, and you've also shared uh, with us as well. So what are, what are some common stress points that y- you think we ought to um, consider? Yeah. So again, our ministry, we, we focus as online. Uh, we, we, we build out like these personas. So there'll be like a, one that's like a guilty gene or Gina, like someone who just like, I always struggle with the burden of, of I'm never feeling forgiven. So that's one that we might then put out messages online to say, what if you could be sure you're forgiven right now? Or, you know, and then we'll lead them to passages, downloadables, and into online Bible studies where they can dig in and learn more. Um, so forgiveness is a key issue. Uh, it's tied in with our LDS friends to repentance. Um, True to the Faith, uh, their manual, talks about how uh, repentance is a painful process and how it means an abandonment of, of sin. I almost think about it like this, like in the Old Testament, you had to first be cleansed mm-hmm, right. and then show yourself to the priest, right? So like you just, the priest's his job was just announced, yeah, you're clean. Whereas um, we would say Jesus is the one who, who provides the cleaning, right? Uh, in, in the LDS structure, it is a little bit more of that Old Testament mindset. First, clean yourself, and, and then God will basically be the one to confirm, okay, whether or not you, you have done that, whether you are clean, uh, because forgiveness is, in their model, uh, dependent upon their repentance, never doing that sin again. As you can imagine, a lot of folks are going to struggle with, ever. am I ever really forgiven. And they might say, well, I think I'm, I'm okay on this front, but then I'm not sure if I'm okay on this front. And it, it reminds me almost like trying to plug a dam with your finger, right? Um, like, uh, you know, you can have some holes kind of bursting through, like, I think I'm okay here, but then I got one way over here, I got to run over to, and now I'm going to unplug, you know, so it, it, it leads to this, um, just this constant struggle. I, I got to attend to different things, and I, I feel like I'm never quite going to be, be forgiven. Uh, this is something that we have as biblical Christians. Uh, I would point to Ephesians 1, 7, where in him we have the redemption, uh, the forgiveness of sins. Look at the tenses. They matter. And it says we have it right now. First uh, John, right? Uh, he's the atoning sacrifice right, for all sin. And so I think that's just really important to say, present tense, we have this, and it covers all that's going to be a stress point for our LDS friends. So that's one, forgiveness. Another I might focus on would be perfectionism. That's a, a tough one um, that I think a lot of... I, uh, a while back, uh, one of the apostles, right, uh, Jeffrey Holland, talked about um, 
be perfect eventually. And he, he talked about this toxic perfectionism. Be careful not to put too much stress on yourself. But, but in the end, many of the same talks will, will try to say, oh, don't, don't be so hard yeah. on yourself. But in the end, they, they always say, but you still have to be perfect. It's still on you. You got to finish the, 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 get across the finish line. And so you, you can try and stretch it out or you can try and make it more, uh, you know, easier manageable. But at the end of the day, it's, it's still on you. And that I think presents still a great deal of stress that any outward performance based religion will. Uh, if we focus again on the perfection Christ has won for us, uh, that I think even the concept, it, it's so easy in biblical Christianity for us to understand, yeah, Jesus lived perfectly for me, but I don't know if we always understand the importance of communicating Jesus as substitute yeah, yeah. for our LDS friends. That, that is just so key uh, that, that we have found. Uh, so I'll use passages like Isaiah 61.10 like a bride on her wedding day, so beautifully adorned, so he has covered us with the robe of his righteousness. Or, or Hebrews 10, 14, um, really talks about how uh, he has perfected uh, those who are being sanctified, so, so talk, and those who are being sanctified in the context, talk, those who are connected through faith. So again, uh, it's not so much I perfect myself, but Christ has perfected us. The past tense, so beautiful. So those are, are some. And then uh, I think maybe another one that I often will focus on, like we had said before, in times of hardship. But if, if they're not in a hardship time, just take them like their toes forward to, to judgment day and mm-hmm. say, how is this really going to go down? Like, how is your story going to end? And a lot of times, if, if you focus on like the idea of living eternally with Heavenly Father, uh, I remember one time... Um, story of uh, one of the leaders of the LDS church spoke to a group of future missionaries. And he asked, how many of you want to live in the celestial kingdom, the highest, highest kingdom in Mormonism? And every hand shot up in the air. Yeah, you know, these eager and excited, they're ready. And then he said, how many of you are absolutely certain you'll be there? And only one hand went up. Really? That right there yeah. betrays a stress point. Mm-hmm. That. Because ultimately, Mormonism drives toward this is the ultimate goal. And if you're not sure or certain, friends, that's, that's like an Acts 17 moment of the unknown God. Let's talk about how you can be sure and certain yeah. of how your story ends. I, I'm particularly struck how there is like no in-between when it comes to the way the Bible describes Judgment Day. There will either be those who are terrified and say cry out to the hills and the mountains, cover us, or there will be the believers who already know they have an airtight case in Jesus, who are standing on his record, who say, I want my day in court. I can't wait till judgment day. And when it finally comes, he says, lift up your heads. It's the day of redemption. This is what you've been waiting for, right? So there's no in between then. And really, Deep within their heart, there's no in-between now either. So if we take their, their toes to, to judgment day, I think that helps. In each of those cases, I just say this. You'll focus on the things that they are striving for, but they're the things we already have. We have forgiveness. We have perfection in Christ. And even John 5 and John 6, talking about eternal life, 
says those in the moment of faith, those who have who believe are crossed over from death to life. They have eternal life. And so in each one of those cases, you can focus on what you already have. Are the things they're looking for? That's contextualizing the gospel, mm-hmm. focusing on their stress points. Yeah, that's right. a great point. I really appreciate how you just summed that up in such a, a way, to, a memorable way that I think our listeners will be able to, to take home. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just love stories, right? You guys know how, how those make it real. And just to give you an example, like Eliana was when I met at the door, she had just had a, a miscarriage and she, she broke down crying tears. Just, just, just what did I do that God would be so angry with me mm. that he would allow this to happen? And then, I mean, so a stress point, right? Just visible right in front of us. And, and we said that God's love is not dependent upon our circumstances. Right? She thought God was looking over her shoulder, and she didn't actually even know what to fix, like what she had done. And then to say, no, no, God's love is there and lets us rise above our circumstances. It was a whole new message that, that it's just because it's solid and reliable and rests on Christ alone, it's what we already have. Uh, here we were, complete strangers at her door, and she's she's hugging us, saying, "This is everything I've been looking for. Where can I find mm-hmm. one?" Wow. So, what are some dangers that we should avoid in some of these conversations, focusing in on stress points, um, or what what dynamics should we at least be aware of? Yeah. Uh, so, part of understanding your audience means understanding what their response will be. Um. Hmm. If I was always focused on my outward activity and then a biblical Christian told me, you know what, that doesn't actually contribute anything to your salvation. Right, it's still dirty rags. Right. Don't expect them to be like jumping up and down like, woohoo! You know, we, we kind of expect that, that, that they would respond that way. But that is, I mean, if you've invested that much blood, sweat, and tears... Um, it reminds me of like, let's say my wife is tax season. She's done all the taxes, right? Okay. She's she's coming from the mailbox. But little unbeknownst to me, I've been doing all that too. And so like I see her coming from the mailbox and I'm going to the mailbox. And I'm going to like want to pull hers out of the mailbox and put mine in. Like I want my effort to come for something. I think maybe that helps us get the perspective of where they're coming. That's a hard thing to give up. So that would be one thing. Don't expect them just to jump up and down. That is the core message. It is finished, right? But And so don't hesitate, but, but be patient. That would be one. Another, um, I... I don't know. I think about uh, there's a lot of fear and layers of fear in Mormonism. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about the commandments and you say something like uh, our relationship with God isn't based on your record of keeping them, but Christ's record for you, I I wouldn't say works don't matter. The Bible talks a lot about works, but of course, in their proper perspective, there's fear of letting go of the commandments because that's been kind of like the... The, the safety net for me. And if I let go of them and, and, you know, on the other side, hey, there's freedom and, and, you know, the joy. Now I get to do them, right? It, but but in letting go of the, the fear, they're taught like the spirit, they could, they could lose the spirit and he's the one who helps them to choose the right. And so just that, that, that 
circle of, of almost fear. I've got to hold on to this. I can't let go. And just to be patient in those layers of fear. It takes great courage to push through that uh, on the other side. Yeah. And I would just, let me jump in, John, because I, I think that there's also this, you mentioned earlier, this sense of, of value being measured in the eyes of other people, but there's this tremendous sense of value and worth in keeping the commandments. So it's a fear is a big thing, but also it's just a sense of this is my identity. This is my value as a human being. You're going to take that away from me. Mm. So that, that's a caution I would add. Yeah. Identity. I'm finding my identity in, in those things, right? Yeah. The, the other thing I, I sometimes think when I'm looking at the, uh, what is that, my right view mirror my, on the car? Things don't always, uh, aren't always as they first appear kind <laughs> right. of thing, right? And, and I really think about that when it comes to Christian witnesses reaching out to our LDS friends and family. I, I know of so many examples where it was the witness of this Christian and that one, and God wove those like links in a chain together. So when you are sharing the gospel, it, 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 it has an impact. You might not always see it. So, so for example, um, I think of friends who have said, as Christian friends were, were sharing, uh, XLDS now have, have shared, like the pillars on the inside were just crumbling. They were crashing. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I had to still keep up the mask, keep up the facade. And I might have even, I might have even vigorously defended Mormonism. I, it might have even come off a little bit hostile, but you were striking a nerve in my heart. And, and so what, even if you, you sometimes see people coming out in sort of a hostile way, it, it actually might be the way the word is working on them, challenging them. The spirit is, 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 is working on their heart. You know that every time the gospel goes out, it goes with the spirit's power and with his presence. Trust in that. And that allows us as Christian witnesses then every time to leave with joy. God, what are you going to do here? What are you going to mm-hmm. do there? Yeah, that's so encouraging. Thanks for sharing those. Are there any last thoughts you'd love to share with our audience? Uh, I, I just say um, everyone contextualizes the gospel, whether they realize it or not, right? Um, but but if we are really f- have our eyes focused to that, especially for our LDS friends, um, focusing on the things that that are going to bother them, and almost like a, a heart surgeon, when 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 you know what they're struggling with, then you can with precision cut the yeah. heart to heal. That's where we then apply the gospel. We can we can do what we can to understand and listen and pursue precise work. Um, but thankfully, we can trust the Lord who knows best and allow him to do the most profound heart surgery that we're only a little bit helping in maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. He's the master surgeon. Now, John, uh, as, we re- as we wind down here, you mentioned some of the different resources, the ministries of Truth and Love. T-I-L-M. Uh, tell us, tell our, our listeners how they can take a next step in discovering the things that you guys are doing and the, the resources that you have to offer. Yeah. So uh, there's really three arms of our ministry. I don't think most people are aware of that. The first is Truth and Love Ministry. So T-I-L-M dot org. That's uh, equipping Christians. So I'll give me uh, more examples of how I can specifically share law and gospel or a passage or an illustration. I've shared a couple of them here today, but but uh, uh, one of our popular resources is uh, tilm.org slash scenarios. 
what do what do I say when faith and works comes up? All those different. What what if they they uh, what are the most common uh, LDS arguments? You know, ways in which you can respond. Check that out. Uh, that's for Christians. Tilm.org. And especially that that slash scenarios. On the other side, uh, we've got be perfect. This is an, a direct outreach to Mormons. It doesn't ever mention Mormonism, but it might be a great model for Christians to say, "Look, at, there is a way to share it to focus on their stress points without actually calling out Mormonism for those hmm, who are just yeah. planting a seed in their shoe, right?" And so that's that's our website, beperfect.org. Uh, and there, it really has all that is needed to unravel Mormonism and discover biblical Christianity. Some great articles a person could point to. And sometimes witnessing can be easy. We're on social uh, media, so uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube, where you could click share. Hey, this blessed me today. I hope it blesses you. Uh, and then uh, a new arm of our ministry, please keep in your prayers, is going to be Jesus is enough for those who are leaving Mormonism or are questioning it but don't know where to turn or what to believe, and and just those just right in that space as 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 they're trying to navigate the whole landscape uh, to try and catch them and, and to point to uh, through stories of people who have left and and found Jesus, um, pointing to uh, the hope we have in Him. So that one won't be launched until January of 2024. But uh, stay tuned. Well, thank you so much, John, for joining us today. I love the conversation. Really appreciate your insights and thoughts. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Again, this is the Culture Wise podcast, where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace.